Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Antetomaso. As always, I am joined by Evan Knowles. How you doing, my man? I am doing well. You, uh, you're in a slightly different place this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm down in Costa Rica. I, uh, <laughs> chilling in my hotel room right now. I have spent all day at the beach, walking around, checking out this tiny ass town and, uh, place called Manuel Antonio so it's been a long day and now I'm just chilling in the hotel room it's a little bit different than than my reality up here in Chicago right now (laughs) it's really cold up there so I heard go ahead no I just I heard the weather's nasty yeah we had like a wind warning and everything I, I literally was like struggling to walk down the street the wind was pushing me the other way but uh, since you're you're down in Costa Rica and you decided to go there, I'm sure you're an expert on on the political history of the country. So why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown? I don't know anything about Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I typed in on Google "best beaches in South America" and Costa Rica, and I found found my destination. I wanted to know how you would answer that question if you would try to put anything together. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I'd love I think, to learn. You know, I, think I took we four have... years of Spanish in uh, in high school, and I'm walking around here, and I'm wishing I was more fluent. So I might have to revisit Spanish and get some more histor- history lessons. Are you walking around just hola, hola? <laughs> well, I know enough that I can get away with like initial conversations. I was yeah. almost, I was, I was close to being fluent at the end of high school, uh-huh. but I haven't, you know, spoken Spanish for several years so i've lost a lot of it yeah i'm kind of with them to like have initial conversations and ask questions and stuff but if they start try, trying to have you know a more in-depth conversation or ask me questions that are beyond beginner level i you know, <laughs> I've forgotten everything. that's what i was like with italian i took i took four years of it and my my grandparents uh speak italian so i was like raring to go and like basically become an Italian citizen at the end of high school and then I just never studied it again and I'm going this summer so I, I started doing Duolingo to try to get back into it and it's telling me that I'm like 33% fluent but I know as soon as I get there I'm just going to be completely lost and just be thankful that everybody knows English. So let's go ahead and jump in uh, to this week's episode. Uh, because you're down in Costa Rica we kind of wanted to take the opportunity to do a quick update on an old episode and we were looking through you know all the things that we've talked about on the podcast and one of the ones that I know was really important to both you and me at the time Evan was our our Facebook episode from April of last year yeah absolutely you know Facebook's just one of those companies that is so culturally relevant and influences culture at all times that for data privacy uh, violations or uh, scandals relating to their management team, you know, it's always something we want to report on because they are definitely one of those companies that influences our everyday lives. So, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, I don't think that that you can really overstate just just how ingrained the company is into our lives. I mean, Google and Amazon might be the only two that rival it, but but Google, Amazon, Facebook are all up there, literally just just influencing how we go through the day. So this episode it was actually our seventh episode ever. We released it on April fifteenth of two thousand eighteen, and that was right uh, right after. Um, Mark Zuckerberg went to Congress and he was testifying in front of Congress because of the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal at the time. So we kind of released an episode following up on that, recapping how we got to that point, uh, what was going on with Facebook, how it had suddenly been thrust to the front of the national conversation. Um, So we're going to play that episode. You'll hear all of our takes and and all of our recaps of what was going on at the time. And then we're going to come back in uh, after... After the episode, we're going to come back in with a little bit of an update. So without further ado, here is our episode from last year, and then we'll talk to you at the end. Um, Before we kind of start to talk about what happened last week, I think we need to give a little bit of background into how we got to this point. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, So it's all kind of stemmed from from one big incident, and that was the Cambridge Analytica incident. Yeah, I probably heard that name before. Yeah, so it basically came out uh, that they were collecting personal data of about 87 million users in the United States. And so the majority of I think it was 50 million at first. Yeah, and then it got re-reported. It got upped. Yep. Yeah. So that's the majority of U.S. adults. They claim all of them, uh, but that 87 is made up of mostly adults. Mm-hmm. And so the way they got that data uh, was Alexander Kogan uh, built an app called uh, This Is Your Digital Life. And basically, it was just survey questions, uh, and it was an app that uh, was used to collect that data by getting authentication into your Facebook you know, profile so they would be able to track your likes all your friends, and your friends' likes. Mm-hmm. So it's a really powerful way uh, to collect a lot of data at once. And at the time, well, it Facebook was, allowed for that. Yeah, it was just, it was kind of marketed and branded as just a game, right? It was yeah. like a personality quiz, yep. to my understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so they took that information from the personality quiz as well as the data when you gave it access Yeah, to really create a profile on you. Yeah, and and your friends. So yeah, that's the big. They had thing. access to you and your friends, and so it was basically exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever one person downloaded the app, they'd get hundreds of other people's data. Yeah, uh, so that's how they got those eighty-seven million people's personal that's data, insane. which is wild. It's kind of scary. Yeah, um, and you know we can talk about what Facebook has done since, mm-hmm. and they're you know making improvements, but it's it's scary that at one time uh, that was possible. Yeah. So that was, I believe, in 2014, right? That that happened. Yeah, yeah. That that or that's when the you, that's when Facebook first, you know, really yeah. realized what was going on. And when the the app, this is your digital life, came out, um, I believe Mark Zuckerberg has said in 2015 they found out that they were using the data in ways that they didn't put in their terms of service. They didn't Got tell it. Facebook were against Facebook's terms of service, um, and they kind of they shut off their access and. Uh, Zuckerberg keeps using the the word of like we certified that they had deleted the data, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
um, they said that they did. Alexander Kogan said that he did delete the data. It was certified, and that was the yeah. end of that story. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about the data itself that they collected because yeah. it's really interesting kind of what they collected and how they used it. Uh, and so basically what they collected was uh, they were able to see what you were liking on your profile. They were able to see your interests, uh, things of that nature. You know, normally everybody has access to, you know, people's demographic data, but stuff like that uh, is kind of, it's harder to come by. And so they used all of that to create psychographic profiles. Mm-hmm. And so psychographic profiles are basically your personality and who you really are uh, at a, you know, very personal level. Yeah. And so they're creating profiles using that data based on what you're liking, what your friends are liking, what you're reading and stuff like that. It's demographics of your mind. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Didn't, uh, I think when we were doing research, we came across a video that was explaining if they had data just on 10 things that you liked, they would know you better than your colleagues. Yeah. And then it went up to, you know, if they have 30 likes, uh, they knew you better than uh, your parents, Mm -hmm. I believe it was. And then if they had uh, three, if they were able to track, you know, I think it was 300 of your likes, they knew you better than your, than your uh, partner. That's, that's crazy. So it's the power of that data. You know, Mm -hmm. once you step back and use that big data, uh, to you know, read people, it's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And so they would turn around and use that data in marketing campaigns Yeah, for lots of different companies. But the one that's really been focused on uh, is, is Trump's campaign. Yep. So it was you know, really interesting because they were taking those psychographics and catering uh, Trump's ads and tailoring those ads to certain people and their personalities. Yep. One thing that I came across, so, well, before we get into that, I mean, there's been varying reports on how involved the Trump campaign was with Cambridge Analytica um, that was using Alexander Kogan's data, um, but Steve Bannon was an advisor to the company. Yeah, uh, but that's official. he's on the board. He's on the board, that's known. Um, but there, there's varying reports of different people um, from the campaign, got involved with the company, met with the, the CEO of the company, and so yeah. on. Steve Bannon is the campaign manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, that's official, but then they said they didn't use them. Yeah. Um, and I guess we're trying not to make this too political, but they deny that the campaign had any official relationship with the company, but then there's reports that they did. And if they did, they were able to completely, obviously, tar- use Facebook ads um, mm-hmm. and other social ads to target these people, but it also influenced the, the physical campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah, why don't you go more into that? Yeah, there's one thing I came across um, was that they would use the information of psychographics, um, live information, to determine um, his campaign trail. So an example that it gave if that is that if people in Pennsylvania were talking about immigration a lot, um, they would put a speaking gig for Trump in Pennsylvania, and he would give a immigration-focused speech. And then, obviously, the statistics of the election um, that we can go back and check, you know, everyone knows, is that it was was very um, influenced by just, in the grand scheme of things, a handful of votes, you know, just a few thousand votes in different swing states. So when you think about he knew that he needed to give this kind of speech in this area, that could influence, over time, a few thousand votes, therefore the election. Yeah, and it's really interesting because... There's this whole idea of, you know, trending topics and being really relative. And that's what the news is trying to become. That's why Twitter is so successful. Um, And so the fact that Trump knew in real time what people are talking about, where they were, and their psychographics, that's really powerful stuff to, like you said, go in the middle of Pennsylvania and know that this little 
a county in, in Pennsylvania was talking about a specific subject because there was a news happening in the middle of that county and people are talking about it. And he goes and talks about that exact subject in real time. That's mm-hmm. really powerful because he just won that entire county based on their emotions in real time. Yeah. Just because he had that psychographic Because yeah, people are much more emotional in the moment and they're, you know, talking about certain subjects and it's just, it's very powerful. It's yeah. really interesting. So that's that's kind of the background um, that you know the the data came from Facebook and then it was retargeted to users on Facebook and it could have even um, influenced the entire election. So that's how we got to today or to last week, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so last week, Mark Zuckerberg appeared in front of Congress on um, two consecutive days. The first day he appeared in front of a, a Senate committee, um, and on the first day in front of the Senate, the second day in front of mm-hmm. um, the House of Representatives. Yep. One thing that really came out of that um, th- those hearings is a concern on my part, honestly, of how much the government or lawmakers, how much lawmakers in the government understand technology. Because based on the way, <laughs> based on the way that he, some senators and some representatives talked to him, it really seemed like they didn't. They didn't understand. It was very clear. I mean, the, the it's not a question. Tech. They don't know about tech. Yeah, it's not a question. They knew very, seemed to know very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they had advisors that were, you know, talking to them, but in real time in the questioning, yeah. the way they were talking, the terms they were using, they personally knew very little about technology. Yep, their teams might. They they didn't know. And there was there was very little follow up questioning, which I think displays it perfectly. They had questions written out that either advisors or their team, their staffers, whoever wrote. But they couldn't have a conversation. They couldn't no. challenge yeah. him. No. No shot. Um, and so we, we pulled together some statistics here. The average age of congresspeople is 60. Yeah. Um, so which, Facebook, you know, only it's been around and since they were you know, in, their, in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to the Congressional Research Service, out of 541 congresspeople, that's both the Senate and the House representatives combined, only 18 have a background in engineering or computer science. That's 3%. Yeah. 3%. It's not good. So obviously you don't need to have a background in computer science to understand technology, but it's a pretty good indicator, and the number that fully understands it is probably not much bigger than 3%. Yeah. Um, when you have people asking if you can email on WhatsApp, yes, it's not okay. Yeah, use those terms. Can, you, can I send an email that is tracked on WhatsApp? Yeah. Obviously, you don't use the term email on WhatsApp. Um, one sen- Senator Tom Tillis, uh, his questioning included, I'm a proud member of Facebook. I just got a post from my sister that this is National Siblings Day. It's just a weird comment. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you it's hear basically them... him trying to sound relevant, you know. Cause, yeah. Because he knows, you know, if you look at him, he, he's not going to know much about technology. So he's just trying to connect with the audience. Yeah, and you hear, you hear them saying, oh, I love sharing pictures. I like my grandson's pictures on Facebook, you know. Yeah. And one person even asked, oh, how do you make money if it's free? Well, that's what the whole thing is about. That's the purpose of Facebook. I mean, the purpose of Facebook is to connect as many people as possible. And you can't do that with a paid service. Yeah. And, of course, the user is the product. Mm-hmm. And I yep. believe most, I don't want to say competent, I think that's the wrong word, most people who fully understand the service know that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's the basics of, I mean, television uh, is similar. You know, you pay... Uh, you paid cable, you, know, you mm-hmm. pay your cable bills, but the content you're watching uh, is there because it's supported by ads. 
you know, yeah. a lot of these big networks wouldn't be around if they didn't have the advertisement mm-hmm. that they're that they're putting in between their their segments. Yeah, for it, it is the same thing, but of course it can just be much more targeted advertising. Yeah, um, which is what the whole issue is. But th- that that struck me, and I guess I, I kind of want to get your opinion on that in a higher level. Is that concerning to you that these lawmakers, these people that create the rules that we live by in this country, just seemingly don't get it? Yeah, it's 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 very concerning because, you know, technology is in everything we do. Yeah, every part of our life is is somewhat dictated by the technology we have in front of us. Mm-hmm. And you know, the senators and the Congress people and the people in government are there to protect to protect us. And the future of war, the future of you know terrorism, all these different things is technology. That's so true. They're, That's they're, a really good way to look at it. They're there to you know create the laws that dictate our everyday lives, which is mostly technology. But they're also there to protect us. Mm-hmm. with those laws and if they don't know what the technology is underneath all of our daily decisions mm-hmm. and there's terrorists that do and there's people bad actors that do then they can't protect us that's a really good way to look at it i don't even think of that see I, I was thinking of it on the on the level of you know their constituents use this technology every day and are impacted by it every yeah. day um and so that obviously has its own set of challenges right there but the the terrorists and the you know the threat level of it as well like you just mentioned is also super interesting yeah totally how do you effectively create policies if you don't understand what the threat is i mean that's why they have advisor teams but at the same time if the actual person in government who's making those decisions had that background to make quicker decisions you know it'd be a lot more you don't you don't vote for an advisor you vote for the no 100 right yeah so they, they assemble teams to do that for them but at the same time they themselves need to know that stuff Mm-hmm. And when you have, here's one thing that bothers me about you know the government and especially the, the House representative and Senate is that they don't have term limits. Yeah, that's really bothers that really bothers me because somebody you know can go their entire uh, career in government mm-hmm. and that could span you know 30 years, mm-hmm. and in that 30 year time frame, the the technology changes so much, and if they're not you know willing to keep up on it, yeah. then they can still be there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not judged on the fact that they don't know enough about technology and can be voted out. Yeah. Well, then I, I guess we, we could circle back with another argument because then you could argue, oh, well, the, the people would just vote them out if that was a big enough issue. But then you could think, oh, well, what if this technology influences the election and they're not voted out? Yeah. That That's a whole nother part of this is they don't understand the technology that impacts elections, which is how they keep their job. Yeah. It's so like, it should be such some, a personal issue to yeah, them. Might see some, you know, turnover here soon for that. But they have teams that you know are doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure still, Trump but, doesn't know a whole lot about Facebook ads. That's true. But if they they need to under. I don't know. I just I guess I don't get the the mentality of oh the team can handle all of it. Like you have to understand. Yeah. On some level. Yeah, you do. On some basic level, what's going on, and not knowing how Facebook makes money, that's not even understanding the basic level. Yeah. That's that's just ignorance. That's just ignorance. Yeah. Well, let's go over a couple other things that they were saying. Yeah. Uh, One was, you know, uh, Dick Durbin asked him, Zuckerberg, a good question, uh, if he's comfortable sharing where he's staying, what hotel he's staying (laughs) that night, Uh, which if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you can't do that for security reasons because everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, you're one of the most powerful people on the planet. People can't know where you're staying. So he obviously said no. Yeah. Uh, But he asked that to make a point because... Users are sharing their location on Facebook all the time, mm-hmm. whether they, you know, they opt into it, but they don't opt in necessarily, you know, a very knowing way, mm-hmm. or they do it because it's just, 
you know, simple and it's forced in front of them and, and Facebook knows yeah. how to get them to say, yeah, take my data. And they get restaurant recommendations if they share their location. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Facebook incentivizes them to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, hard for people not to. Yeah. But it's just, you know, to make a point. And I think the way that the senator did it was really interesting. He like he asked them, and, and Zuck was laughing and said, "No, I don't want to share that." And then he just said, "Well, that's the point, isn't it?" Yeah. I was, so he got him there. I mean, yeah. Facebook uh, Zuckerberg laughed, but it was not a funny laugh. It was an no. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I get what you're saying. Laugh. Yeah, and then he just kind of looked away. Yeah. It's a great clip. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of you know really funny clips and and memes that came out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, but one question I think can open a whole new point of discussion, um, and that's from Lindsey Graham. Yeah, the question out if if Facebook was a monopoly, and Zuckerberg didn't really answer it well. I don't think. No, I mean, uh, it's a tough question to answer if you're if you're Facebook. Well, you don't uh, want to say yes, obviously. Yeah, because you don't. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, a lot of people can look at them and think, yeah, they're definitely a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he answered it. I, Lindsey Graham asked, "Who's your who's your biggest competitor?" Mm-hmm. And Zuckerberg said, "Well, we have a lot of competitors. Well, who's the biggest one?" He said, "We overlap with a lot of different companies." Just kind of like a round roundabout answer. Um, and then Lindsey Graham said, "If I am upset with my Ford car, if they give me a defective car, I can go buy a Chevy. Mm-hmm. If I'm upset, which he used two American car companies, of course, yeah, very patriotic of him. Um, but if I if I don't like Facebook." What can I go buy? What's your Chevy? Yeah. Well, and here's the here's the thing with it. Here's the way I look at it. Uh, I am fine with it being uh, a monopoly only because the purpose of the platform is to be uh, the largest social network on the planet. And you can't have uh, this segmented, fragmented uh, ecosystem of mm-hmm. social medias uh, and then have an effective one, Have a really have a really good one. In order to have a really good one, you have to have the network effect, which is basically that you're a monopoly, everybody's on there using your platform. And so the utility of Facebook uh, mm-hmm. is what it is because it's a monopoly, because it's the best social platform out there that everybody uses it. Uh, and so I'm, fi- I'm, I'm perfectly fine uh, with Facebook uh, being as big as it is because the utility that comes with it yeah. is, in my mind, uh, worth the risk of it being a monopoly. And so all that says to us is, we have to pay very close attention to every move that they have, and the government needs to as well. Mm-hmm. And they need to be more transparent. But how do you feel about the competitive nature of that? I mean, in technology, the, the whole the whole gist of it is innovation. You know, move yeah. fast and break things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was and, their motto for a while. Yeah. Um, but so, for example, let's use the example of Snapchat. Yeah. Snapchat moved fast and they made stories mm-hmm. and they broke the traditional model of social media. Not that it's gone, but they yeah. created a new model of social media of in the moment recording, not as polished, just very, yep. very personal stories. And then Facebook said, that's a good idea. And because they're so big and because they have that network effect and because they have thousands of engineers, yeah. they built stories real quick in Instagram yeah. and have severely hurt Snapchat. Good. Okay, why? Why is that 100% good? 100% fine with that. Why is that good? First of all, they offered them billions of dollars to buy stuff. Okay, that's true. Besides, all, besides the point. Second of all, Facebook made a better product. I don't care. <laughs> okay. I really don't care. I can't argue with you there. I can't. So, <laughs> Facebook is just one. Like, I'm completely fine with the BM Monopoly because at the end of the day, they either buy their competitors or they build a better version and consumers win in both cases. But 
But do consumers win if Facebook keeps copying their competitors till all of their competitors go out of business and then nobody starts anything new because they know they'll go out of business because Facebook will copy it and then innovation stagnates. Do consumers win? Uh, I wouldn't. So there, there, were some argu- there were some articles and arguments I read a while back. I don't remember them too great. Uh, but the argument basically was that uh, in this economy, in this technology, technological economy where a lot of these companies are getting acquired nowadays by the big ones, Google, yeah. Amazon, Facebook. Big five. Uh, that innovation has not decreased. It actually might have increased. Because what you can do is you can look at what these companies need, uh, where they're not, where they're falling short, mm-hmm. and build that. Yeah. Or you can build something that is outside of those platforms. And so it's like uh, it hasn't decreased or increased necessarily. It's just coming from different it's sources. Just, yeah, because either way... When, when, when you build a company, there can't be... It's just impossible for there to be multiple Facebooks. Is it? I think I so. Mean, I think for it to be a truly effective social platform, you can't have uh, four. You might be able to have two, but I don't yeah. think you can have any more than that. Okay. You can't have I a think fragmented... There's a limit. Yeah, but I think you could have two or three. I really could. I you really can't would. have a fragmented... Well, name name three. So you got, you got, you got Google, okay. Facebook, and who else? Well, so you have Twitter and Facebook. Okay. You, I mean, obviously Instagram, that's Facebook, so let's yeah. not count that. So Google, Facebook, Twitter. Are you talking about social media States. or tech? Are you talking about tech in general or uh, social, social media? media? Social media. What's on Google? What's social media? I mean, YouTube. Okay, true. It's a big one. It's that's actually true. one of the biggest apps in the world. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I totally forgot about that. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Yeah, I mean that's what's well, four right there. But Snapchat, let's say, is going down. That's the example. Well, and what here's and here's what Zuckerberg was trying to say is they all serve a different purpose, but Facebook yes. does all of them. That's the thing, and that, that's another big that's another big um, point is that he named the number he numbered that the average consumer, the average American consumer, uses eight social apps. Yeah, and then, and so and then you, know, you they could, own how many? Probably they own about four of them. They own four or five, yeah. yeah. But they compete with all the other social apps. Yeah. What they probably don't own that space, but they're yeah. trying to. So, I don't the the whole monopoly thing. That's listen. Twitter does something totally know. different than Facebook. Twitter's in its own good spot. Twitter's but Twitter's trying to get into streaming video. Facebook's trying to get into streaming yeah. video. But they all YouTube's have little stream, you know? little things that are different. It's just the fact that Facebook uh, has the biggest network. And they can build the most apps on top of that network. Yeah. And they, they, you know, it's just, I'm fine with them being as big as they are. I'm... Because f- I use all of those apps. Yeah. I use all of them. But at the end of the day, Facebook is where I go uh, for Instagram mm-hmm. and to see my family on Facebook. Yeah. My friends are on Instagram. My family's on Facebook. And those are kind of, you know, the two purposes. And those are the two main reasons people are social is to keep up with their friends mm-hmm. and their family. Do you think the fact that, let's use the word monopoly loosely, it, let's say it is a monopoly, yeah, because that's what the concern is. Do you think the fact that it is a monopoly impacts your rights as a user? Do you think this data came out because it's a monopoly and they, they had so many people? You know, speak to that. Yeah. How does that impact your privacy? Um, I mean, people opted, it, listen, people opted into all of that. Yeah. The term and service, if people were genuinely concerned, mm-hmm. they could have done something. But they didn't. Yeah. And again, it becomes, here's why. Because Facebook is such a great utility, people are willing to look away from privacy 
and take advantage of what Facebook has given them. And that is the biggest social media network in the world and this giant communications platform. You can call people, you can text people, yeah. you can post, you can do FaceTime, mm-hmm. you can you know video chat, yeah. all in one platform for free. I don't care if it's a monopoly because I can talk to people all around the world in one platform. Yeah. And if privacy, you know, gets violated, I opted into it. Yeah. I mean, see, I'm obviously not as strong on this side as you are, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm on the other side either. I'm very conflicted about this because you're right. You you did opt into it. Did they deceive you in how you opted into it with a hundred page long terms of service? Maybe. Um, are they taking advantage of what you share Maybe. to connect with friends to sell it? Maybe. Yeah. Um, it, it's a really complicated issue, and you know we were saying how concerned we were with that the government doesn't fully understand it. We don't fully understand it. No, uh, not many people do. Other yeah, than people who work at Facebook. We probably know more than <laughs> than those senators about it, but we don't fully understand it, and so. How can we opt in? How can we consent to such selling, such use of us as products yeah. if we don't fully understand? Well, but maybe that's okay because I can call my I friend. I mean, Facebook has you know? built. One thing that Zuckerberg is trying to point to as much as he can is that Facebook has built these opt-in methods into the everyday interactions you do on the platform. So, for instance, every time you post something on Facebook, there's a drop-down arrow that allows you to pick who has access yeah. to that? Public, my friends, yep. just me. Yep. Yeah. Same thing with uh, all your other information. There are opt-ins associated to each of them. When you do those actions, there's a spot on there to opt in to who sees it or if you want to share it at all. Okay. What's not clear, though, say I post just me. Yeah. I, I post a, a thing that says I secretly hate the University of Kentucky Wildcats, mm. whatever, but I click just me and I publish it. Can they read that for ad targeting while I start getting Louisville ads? I don't know. I don't think that's clear. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not clear. That would be something so, in the very, that'd be in the fine print. And yeah. it'd probably be written in a way you wouldn't understand that if you read it anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Which speaks to my point. Yeah. So the, I was talking with one of my other buddies the other day, uh, Michael Lewis, about uh, how to uh, basically create a platform where people can upload all the data uh, they have about themselves uh, in a way that makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And that they can, you know, have the permissions there and basically give permissions about their data and monetize their data. Um, and so it's a really interesting question. If monetize uh, their data for themselves? Yeah, so they can make money on, you know, their data. Um, that's and, and that's something that's been talked about in the community for a while now. Uh, but, yeah, your question is is, is interesting because, uh, you know, being able to control what data and understand the data, uh, I think is something that tech needs to improve on in general. And it's it's it's, for me... Just a user experience, a user interface problem. Mm-hmm. Because all you got to do is create uh, a user flow for a consumer on your website to take them through all the different ways you use their data in a really clear way using videos, fully using that. graphics, uh, rather than fine print. You know, you can redesign terms and conditions. That's true. Just the you fact can give the summary. Yeah, you can you can have the terms and conditions you know in the legal uh, you know boring way it is, but then you can say. I am um, a company that wants to be very clear. I want to take the, take the terms and conditions and make a very uh, you know attractive user experience out of it, so I can educate people on my platform. Mm-hmm. They could do that if they wanted to. They should. I bet they will. After they this. might, they might, yeah. and that would be really cool if they did. So the second you start you know putting your information to Facebook, 
uh, a pop-up video will tell you exactly what that means, Mm -hmm. which would be interesting. Yeah. And I I think, you know, I think that the the changes will happen, whether it's a video or, you know, when you open it, a a big pop-up that has some nice pictures or whatever. Um, I think change will come on the user experience side, of course. And it's going to remain to see how much change will come on the other side. You know, Zuck kept saying, oh, I'm going to have my team follow up. Oh, we're going to submit proposed regulation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if any kind of material change happens. Yeah. Well, Something will here's, happen. Here's a question. Uh, back to the Monopoly thing. Yeah. Uh, you personally, could you give up Instagram? Could I, like completely just not just use it? never use it again? Yeah. Really? Could I and would I want to? It's a different question. Okay. Uh, would you want to? Would I want to? No. Okay. And I think <laughs> I think the other 400 million people that use Instagram are fine with Facebook being a monopoly for that exact reason. Because yeah. they don't want to. Yeah. And Because it's such a good experience. And people, you know, what... And here's another issue we can talk about another time, is that people are getting addicted to it because it's such a good experience. And because Facebook is, you know, you can say... I mean, you could, you could say they're manipulating people yeah. with the user, you know experience in the interface yeah uh, which well, you that is not necessarily a good thing yeah uh you could say the ads are a good user experience too you know yeah. it's, it's better to have ads that you like than ads that you don't like yeah so uh, i think that brings up a whole nother moral question yeah so the idea of social media and these tech companies in general is is something that is a continuing conversation you could take either side yeah but you know most people most consumers believe it or not are going to take the side of i'm fine with facebook and how big it is yeah. You know, they're going to make mistakes, but they have provided me a service that is so valuable to my mm-hmm. everyday life, I cannot get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's going down or anything like that. I just want to know if there's going to be any regulations. Yeah. That's what's interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. Facebook's not going anywhere. They, I mean, regardless of if they're monopoly or not, they're, they're too big to fail on yeah. the internet right now. Yeah. And too many apps use them, too many services are interconnected. It's, it's here to stay. Yep. That's for sure. That's 100%. And it's not just the United States. It's oh, 2.2 no. billion people. Yeah. <laughs> 67, it's everywhere. I mean, like we said on a past episode, 60, I bet at this point, about 70% of the world it's, of people that are on the internet yeah. uh, are on Facebook. It's the largest country in the world, right? Yeah. Facebook is? Yeah. That says yeah. a lot right there. Yeah. And Zuck's the president. Yeah. I've said, I always tell people, Zuckerberg's the most powerful man on the planet. He's more powerful than Trump. so a lot has happened since that whole episode since april of last year uh evan you did a little bit of research on it you just kind of want to let us know what's going on yeah so another big privacy issue here with facebook collecting people's data Uh, but this time the users actually knew facebook was collecting the data so facebook wasn't really violating the consumer but they were violating Apple's terms. So what ended up happening was Facebook uh, violated Apple's enterprise certificate program. And so what this means is Apple has this program for enterprises that allows enterprises to develop apps for their internal use, whether it's a lunch menu, uh, being able to control the lights in the office, uh, communications. So it basically allows companies to develop apps without having to go to the app store, uh, which makes them able to develop apps quicker for their for own their, internal use. Yeah, for like their employees and stuff, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it is definitely a, a major value add for, for companies, but in those terms, Facebook can only develop apps for internal use only. But what Facebook ended up doing is they developed an app for VPN research that they had use, uh, normal consumers get on this research app and they encourage these users to refer other users. So they basically built this research pool uh, to, to pull from. What they asked these users for is crazy. I can't believe they even did this. Uh, but they asked them for root access into their phone, mm -hmm. which, is, which is unbelievable. And so what that means is they have access to everything from all of their search history to what apps are on their phone to all of their tra traffic whether it's encrypted or not, they can decrypt their traffic. <laughs> they were even asking users for screenshots of their Amazon order history. So they were asking for some really personal stuff. I mean, yeah. root access into a phone is basically giving somebody the keys to your home and just telling them to walk around in it. I'm surprised even an internal app or what's meant to be an internal app can do that. I feel like that's just totally against everything Apple stands for. Yeah, I mean, that probably definitely opened up some some eyes at Apple of, you know, what, what they've been developing, allowing people to do, but they had these consumers, they had these users, uh, they were paying them. And yeah. so they were basically had them on a retainer to collect all their information, which is <laughs> unbelievable. I didn't know this was a thing. And the reason they do this is so they can catch on to trends so they can catch on to what their competitors are doing. So Amazon, they're checking what people are ordering, um, and they're planning what they're going to build. So their product roadmap going forward uh, so facebook's doing all of that um, and, and you know it's, kind of, it's definitely scary um, but like i said the consumers were opting into this and they were getting paid 20 dollars a month to participate in this research app so uh, there's definitely more transparency there but at the same time they violated apple's uh, rules their terms uh, which is a big deal and so that gave apple the right to basically take this license and take this certificate away from facebook which who knows how uh, much that affected Facebook. I'm sure every company the size of Facebook uses this, um, you know, this product that Apple provides, but definitely a big deal. Yeah, I know that Facebook had built their, their own internal communication software. I'm sure that was an app. So I'm sure they had to quickly get on uh, Slack or something. And I, I mean, you mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned like an example of like maybe they could unlock the door to the office with their phone with this tech um, and that's just gone. Like just random stuff like that, that you think about internally, how people might use Facebook apps that now would not work as an employee. I mean, that can, that can just impact the business from the ground up. Absolutely. And you know, while I was doing my research, I found an in interesting side to the debate, which was, does Apple have the right to police the internet in the way that they are? And it goes for Amazon, it goes for Google, it goes for Facebook. But when yeah. you think about how big of a company Apple is, companies like Facebook don't have a choice whether or not they can use this enterprise tool, really, or to use Apple App Store in general. They yeah. have to use Apple, given how big the footprint they are. Uh -huh. So part of this debate is, does Apple have the right to police the internet in the way that they do? Um, you know, the consensus is no, they don't. Um, but at the same time, Facebook just blatantly broke their terms. So it's an interesting debate. It's probably not over. Uh, Facebook is definitely a fault, but a bigger debate is being had 
uh, of whether or not Apple can can morally do this, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, just for for argument's sake, I think Google does the same thing with Google search, you know, if they, you know, if there's like a copyright claim or if there's um, another kind of result that who knows that for whatever reason they don't want to promote, they could just not put it in their search rankings. And for a lot of people, that means it's not on the internet. It's really important because life is moving on to the internet. So when a few companies, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, when they control all the traffic, you know, it's definitely a worthy debate that needs to be had, and and so the government really needs to step up and get some educated, get some educated people, you know, talking about, about the subject, because like we saw with those trials with Mark Zuckerberg, the government's not educated; they're just not. The the Senate and the House of Representatives are just a bunch of old people that don't know anything about the internet. You know, there's a select few that do, but they're going to have to set up some external committees and and get everybody involved to really flesh out this debate because they're incapable of handling this because you'd hope they'd be proactive you know you'd hope that this kind of stuff wouldn't happen that they would catch this these loopholes before they even happen but but they just don't um so yeah it's definitely not over